The Kansas City Chiefs are once again Super Bowl champions, defeating the Philadelphia Eagles. Was this one of the greatest high-scoring Super Bowls of all time, or was this just a lack of defense in <laughs> Super Bowl 57? Matt, takeaways and reaction from the Super Bowl Coming up on today's Peacock and Williamson. NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson bring you expert NFL analysis every day in less than 30 minutes. Get an inside look into the NFL on the field and in the front office. With elite breakdowns, next-level analysis, and in-depth information only for the real NFL fans. This is Peacock and Williamson, and it starts now. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Brian Peacock alongside Matt Williamson at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online, available to people worldwide. And they have a special offer for our listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash locked on so i teased it in the open matt 38 35 kansas yeah. City Chiefs. there's a lot of, of takeaways from this game but but the big question i have for you matt was this like a really great super bowl with all these you know high scoring 38 35 you would think oh what a what a game this would have been or was this just offensive firepower versus defensive ineptitude that made for a boring game because there was no stops. And in the second half, the Kansas City Chiefs went right down the field and scored every single time. It's a great question because I think these are two exceptional offenses, two exceptional quarterbacks. Just so I don't forget, I thought Jalen Hurts was miraculous in this game and answered a lot of questions if they still were hanging out there. It you turns know. out making him play quarterback wasn't the best strategy after. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And I do adhere to the the notion that more and more when great talented offenses with great talented offensive coaches go deeper into games, the defenses cease to exist. I mean, that, that theory took a small step back in 2022 for me, but I thought this was more assurance that once I figure out all your checks and all your blitz packages that I'm going to tear you up in the fourth quarter if I'm a great offense. So I think that has something to do with it. So I'm going to say, yes, this was a great Super Bowl, but Unfortunately, I'm going to bring up two things that aren't fun to talk about first before all the fun things to talk about is as fans, that penalty took the air out of a little bit of a balloon in terms of let's just thing is this thing going to go down to the wires hurts going to get the ball back you know I mean, it, it became a foregone conclusion that the last two minutes or so of the game was going to be kneel kneel field goal, you know, and, and that's right, yeah. you know, and, and a, a, a very weird Hail Mary attempt. He only threw the Very. ball at 30 yards, right? Yeah. Somebody else to come back and maybe they had a play where he was going to pitch it or something. As Where he threw the ball was like, because it looked like he was going to chuck it 70 yards. And it was right. like, what is that throw? What is happening right now? I don't yeah. know if it slipped out of his hand or if it, was, it looked like it slipped out of his hand, but I, I hadn't I mean, thought of that angle. Maybe they were only trying to go 30 yards and then have a guy come behind it and do the yeah. pitch stuff. Or I don't know. Maybe they had a unique way of looking at that. But my son and I are watching like, what was that? That was a weird end. Throw the ball further than that. It was just another like, you know, sad trumpet into the, the weird end of the game after the Bradbury penalty. And I don't know how much you would want to put on James Bradbury because it was actually better for him. It would have been better for the Eagles for him just to allow a touchdown than Looking to back at it, yeah. interference. It's like the worst thing that could happen. And you're not really thinking about that really at the time. And we saw Jarek McKinnon, you know, kind of slide at the one yard line. Um, by the way, his toe went over the line when he did that. Did it really? I didn't know. Yeah, so. But um, 
uh, but but the ball didn't, so I guess it wouldn't have mattered. And you yeah, give yourself yeah. up, so it's at the beginning of giving yourself up. So I don't think that even matters. But um, we were. It did feel everybody that wasn't a Chiefs fan probably felt a little bit robbed at the end of the game with how it ended because you didn't get to see that drive, the attempt of a drive from Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. So what was your take on the penalty? Mine was, if it's week six and that's in the second quarter, no one thinks twice about it. It is a penalty. I respect Bradbury for coming out after saying, yeah, I held him. I mean, yeah, that's, and, that's a man's and, move and there. He wasn't adamant on the field, which is one of the big things. I thought he would have been freaking out. And so I think he knew he got. He was trying to get away with something, probably hoping it wouldn't be called in that point of the game. And he admitted after the game was a penalty. And so mm-hmm. it was a penalty and you threw the flag. So I, I can't really fault anybody for it. And I know I've seen it on the other side where it's like, these guys are holding them at the end of a game you got to call it like it's football still. So there is, you know, I see both sides of it. And if you see a penalty, you got to call it. So I I don't have a huge problem with it. It was just unfortunate the way it ended that way, but it also felt like, and I'll go to Mike Sando. I saw this morning, Mike Sando's uh, response to it. Yeah. Okay. It was, it was a penalty and it was a correct call, but it's like getting a speeding ticket going 65 and a 60. And I thought that was pretty great by Sam. That's a good move. Yeah, exactly. I think that's well said. Again, if it was not in that instance, or even if it was earlier in this game in the first half, no one blinks twice about it. But they weren't calling it close in this game, holding, grabbing, coverage stuff, which is usually the case in Super Bowls. I mean, I'm sure people remember the Legion of Boom teams would just mug guys in the Super Bowl because they don't oh, want to yeah. flood them with flags. You know, I mean, the Patriots did that as well. I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> you should have seen my mentions as soon as that happened. It was like, where were the calls on Crabtree against the Seahawks? And they're getting held in the, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, the, in the Baltimore Ravens. That that used to be the thing. They were like, make it as obvious as you have to. It doesn't matter. Hold this player. Do not allow them to catch the football. That That's how egregious it got. And right. I don't like that either. So, but it, it did feel like a letdown that this was called. But I don't, in the end, I don't really have a huge, huge problem with the call. In the world of ref gaffes in the history of the league gets way 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 down the list for me like like you said it probably is like going 65 and a 60 i personally would not have thrown the flag because of the situation and you hadn't thrown them yet i think there has to be a little bit of a human element to the refing of it and just say i haven't called that to this point i recognize that's a penalty i'm going to keep it in keep the flag in my in my pocket for now and, and I think part of it is where the ref is standing and throwing that flag, it might have looked more egregious. And when you looked at it live, you didn't see it. And then when you see the replay from a certain angle, you still don't see it. And I think mm-hmm. that helped cause the outrage quickly on that because of the because of when it happened and because it didn't even look like that much of a penalty until you saw the angle. And then we see the angle of him holding the jersey. If that's the first angle everyone saw on this broadcast where millions of people are watching the game, then I think people would say, oh, yeah, he held him. And, and I, I think people would have less of a problem with it. But they already just got, a, got the outrage going before they even saw what the actual penalty was and where he was, he was tugging on his jersey. Sure. And there's a lot of emotions at play and all that as well. Yes. Um, I know this segment, we're about to wrap up, but I, I want to bring up the other negative just to get it out, which I also think contributes to your original question. I was offended with, with the condition of the field. I, I mean, you're in Arizona. I mean, you know, this is coming. I understand that you have to paint the field differently and those areas might be a little different, but how can the field position, the field conditions not be a plus. I mean, I'm not even saying A minus. Like, it needs to be the nicest field on the planet. <laughs> you have the money. You have the re- resources. I can't pretend to know the, the first thing about maintaining a football field. 
But the fact that it influenced the game as much as it did time and time again, and guys are changing cleats, I think is a big issue. And I haven't heard anyone take this angle, but to your original question, and I'm going to give the Chiefs pass protection all the credit in the world, and their O-line played phenomenal. But there was only two sacks in this game. I think it really hurt the pass rush, the get off. I mean, sure, it hurt some guys changing directions. Nobody thinks about the trenches. But I'm sure Chris Jones would have been more of a factor. That Eagles D-line would have been more of a factor. But you're exploding. Oh, on, yeah. Yeah, someone like Hassan Reddick, who's built on speed right. in the corner. I, there was a pass rush rep I saw where he almost flew out of the screen because he slipped so hard trying to go trying to with the outside yeah. edge rush and trying to get around the corner. And his feet just went in that direction and his head went in that direction. It was like you don't see guys fall like that, like it's like they were on ice skates yeah. on an NFL field. And what's crazy is the, the this this was the the plan for the best possible field that the NFL put into play. They put a sure. million dollars into this field. They grew it, especially for the, the Super Bowl. They they the, the the field is removable. So they moved it out to get sunlight every day. Mm -hmm. And it was like they went through this entire process to have the best Super Bowl field possible. And it turned out to be the worst field possible. Okay. So like yeah. who do you fire for that? Because this was the plan that was carried out to the league specifications to have the best field. And it turned out to be an awful field. Yeah. I mean, did they hire someone's brother-in-law to do it? Cause he's your buddy. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I yeah. again, I'm not, I don't know about field conditions, but I liked your point there about Reddick. Cause I was thinking more of the, the, the pass rushers get off, but certainly changing directions. If I'm going to go to a, uh, a rip move, but I'm going to switch over to a swim halfway through with my counter move or to your point, which is a really good one was bending the edge is really, really hard for those speed guys. And, and let alone the skill guys with the ball in their hands. I mean, to me that those two things were just needed to be addressed and put a damper on the Super Bowl. to me. Now that I think about it, the, the, the most affected players by a bad field might be corners and DBs trying to cover and, Defensive lineman flying off the edge at full yep. speed. And, and I that, that's the why the score is so high. The score yeah. bears that out. Yep. 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 Well said. I agree. Okay. Next. We'll talk a little bit more about why there were so many points in this game. Uh, some of the big takeaways from Super Bowl 57 coming up. But first, today's episode is sponsored by Better Help. When you're at your best, you can do great things. Sometimes life kind of gets you a little bogged down and you may feel a little overwhelmed or like you're not showing up in the way that you want to. And working with a therapist can help you get closer to the best version of you because when you feel empowered, you're more prepared to take on everything life throws at you. And when you learn better coping skills and you can start solving your own problems, become that problem solver, it is so important and so impactful on your life. And sometimes you just need that check-in with a the therapist to make sure you're hitting all the points you want to in your life to get where you are going. So if you think of giving a therapist a try and, and giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient flexible, affordable, and entirely online. You're not waiting in traffic trying to rush around after work, your lunch hour, whenever it is, to try to get to your therapist. And it's it's as simple as it could be for you to log in face-to-face -face if you want, video conference with your therapist. There, there's other ways if you don't want it to be a face-to-face -face situation. All you do is you, you fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist, and there's questions to lead you in the perfect direction to get the right therapist for you. And if it ends up not feeling right, you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So if you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com 
slash locked on today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash locked on. Thanks once again, everybody, for making Peacock and Williamson your first listen every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Network, make sure that <laughs> you check out all of the podcasts that are available because your team is covered every single day right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, not just NFL teams either. We're talking NBA, Major League Baseball is about to get going as well. Um, Locked On NFL, Locked On NFL Draft it is officially draft season for all 32 Ooh, teams yeah. in the NFL as well. So it's looking like um, Shane Steichen's going to end up with the Indianapolis Colts as their next head coach. And we'll have more mm-hmm. on that later in the week when that becomes official. And I don't know if there's a better resume than this football game for for him as a as a coach. And we yeah. saw Andy Reid and the Chiefs offense, and we saw the Eagles offense. And I think you can look at the defense and say, ah, man, both defenses played terrible. But I do think it was more of the offenses were just dialed in and yeah. playing extremely well. And it wasn't because the defenses weren't bad because it's not like they were just gashing them on the ground or anything. They had to go to the air. They had to go get points. Um, you know, obviously, the way Jalen Hurts plays and, and some of his big uh, rushing scores, but he set a lot of those scores up with his arm as well. So just a, a really great job by the offenses, more so than bad defensive play, in my opinion. And I got to call out, call out both offensive play callers as you know guys who would get a game ball from me in this one. Yeah, and let's start with the Eagles and Hurts to me, because with all respect to Mahomes, who's an all-time great and is the best player on the planet, I thought Hurts was the most impressive player in this game. And if you look at their their rushing totals, Hurts had 70 of their 115 yards. I mean, their running game, their traditional run game, did very, very little. And I give the Chiefs credit for that, too. The Chiefs tackled quite well. I thought if this game got out of hand, it would be because the Eagles were just gashing them in the run game and pushing the guys back, and that was not the case. So give Kansas City's run defense a lot of credit. But Hertz as a runner was tremendous, but that's a side note to me. I mean, as you said before, him from the pocket and the deep throws and the plays A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and to a lesser extent Goddard had – were really, really impressive. I mean, he was unbelievably accurate to all levels. I, I thought Hertz uh, uh, proved to me even further, yeah, he's a big-time guy, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, and to the point where you're like, you maybe dial back the running game because he took some shots, yeah. and, you know, he missed some games this year with a shoulder injury. You don't want to see Hertz go down the career path of getting banged up uh, you know, and have sort of a, a shortened career like someone like Cam Newton did because he's developing so well as a passer. He doesn't have to lean on that as much, and it's a nice mm-hmm. weapon to have, but you don't want your quarterback carrying the ball 15 times a game in, in the long term. You know, you don't, and, and he's proven that he doesn't have to be a guy that, that has to win just that way. But how how undefeated and how, uh, like, is there a better weapon right now in the NFL than his quarterback sneak, which is not a fourth oh. play anymore. It's like a fourth and three play now. It's like, it, it's like, a, it's, it's, it's almost like it's almost three yards guaranteed and maybe more depending on what downs you wanted to run a QB sneak. Like make it you could make it the focal point of your offense and have a pretty good offense just on QB sneaks because of how good they are at it and how good Jalen Hurts is at it. And you think he's got a guy on him and he just keeps pushing forward. Yeah, it's a tremendous point because it's such a weapon. If I can guarantee one to three yards anytime I need it and I'm telling the whole world how I'm going to do it and you yeah. still can't stop it is a great weapon. Um, side note. We, don't, we could talk about this in the offseason, but I hope they change the rules that you can't um, push your push a ball carrier. You know, I, I just don't or, love or the nature. Or enforce the rules because it's illegal, right? They just people, okay. 
don't i'm pretty sure that's not allowed and i thought it was not allowed before and then they took it out of the rule oh, i don't know because everyone does it now i mean it's it, they don't even hide it i hope that goes away but he doesn't need it <laughs> you know right. i mean that's and, for and sure i feel like that's a good way to get people hurt too when you guys push them from behind and so if you're looking for uh, you know safety especially for your quarterbacks on those sneak plays that 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 is something that's probably and look you need to skew some things to the defense you know right and right. so i think that's part of the push too it's like like defense have to have an opportunity to stop offenses at some point in the nfl and we see a super bowl like that it's like wow okay and and look, and look but neither team they, they both had some uh you know some ability to run the ball mostly mm-hmm. it was hurts and in the quarterback running the ball and it, you know the biggest run on the other side was a banged up patrick mahomes scampering 26 yards it was like what is he doing get down what's going on don't get hurt but uh, it was pretty amazing to see him run and like he he Patrick Mahomes moves different than most people anyway. Very much so. You could tell the way he was favoring it. It looked like he was running in ski boots or something. It was, I don't know, for some reason that play just really cracked me up. Um, And I was glad he didn't get hurt again because that was, that was a huge worry for me. It was like, please do not end the Super Bowl this way where Jalen hurt or where uh, Patrick Mahomes gets hurt in the first half and just can't play. And we don't get to see a competitive second half like we saw in the NFC championship game. And so I'm glad uh, whatever he got shot up with, and I'm sure there was a lot of medical uh, expertise involved with that, Mm -hmm. uh, getting him back on the field in the second half, gutsy performance for Patrick Mahomes. And that's why he's your MVP. Yeah. And that was a huge concern for me. I mentioned the two of the negatives, the penalty and the field conditions, but I think we got, we're very fortunate as fans that when he was tackled around that ankle and he was screaming, he was hurting bad. And I'm thinking, Oh man, this is like the Niners game. You know, like if we don't have a quarterback to watch, I mean, as fans, we're going to get robbed of a second half that could be historic and good for him. He came back and played unbelievably well in the second half. Of course, started carving those guys up. Uh, I saw pro football focus, you know, they do their adjusted completion percentage. His adjusted completion percentage in the second half was a hundred (laughs) percent. You know what I mean? I mean, no turnover worthy plays Yeah, Uh, really had a feel for their defense. I mean, that was historic there. And and going back to the play calling really quick, uh, how good were those two? uh, I believe it's called arrow return, return arrow, something like that. Basically Mm -hmm. where they, they should, they give you the, uh, the jet sweep look, but then they, they stop the, the player in motion stops, comes back. And it yeah. worked to perfection twice. Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore Sky touchdowns. Moore, yeah. The Sky Moore touchdown was amazing to see the DB that's responsible for him making a beeline across the field, and he didn't even realize he had stopped yet. And he's <laughs> on the <laughs> other side of the formation by the time he's catching the touchdown pass. Yeah, it really well done. I mean, I give Reed credit for going, not only calling it once, but he's like, that works so well. Let's try it again to the other side. You know I mean? Like that, that, that. chase my guy across the field. We've got a counter for that. Yeah, and – um, you know, another Andy Reid note here is, you know, they were losing pretty good at one point in this game. They were down 10 and the mm-hmm. only team in history that went into a halftime deficit of 10 or more points to come back to win was the Patriots over the Falcons. Yet still, they're, they threw 27 passes and ran the ball 26 times. You know, like I didn't think that would be Reid's, you know, M.O. at all especially in the second half when Mahomes was heating up. And I knew they threw the ball more in the second half, but they stuck with the run and they did it quite well. And I've been a little hesitant to give Pacheco credit. And I don't know if he's long for this world with the way he runs, but they got a dude in him and the offensive line deserves a lot of credit. And Eagles D deserves a little bit of blame as well. Yeah. Just fine at running back. And I think that's one of the lessons here is like, be just fine at running back, but mm-hmm. it's quarterback driven league. You, you got to put up points to win a Super Bowl. And um, our guy, Marcus Mosher, the 
who who you uh, work with on the Locked Lockheed on Locked on Dynasty podcast, podcast, but also co-host of Locked on Cowboys as well, and, and does a lot of work in a lot of different places. And uh, you know, every season he updates his list of um, the leading rusher in the Super Bowl for the winning team, how much they get paid. And again, it's a guy who makes less than a million dollars. Wow. You know where you know where dollars go. It's the passing game. It's quarterback. It's receivers. It's guys who get after the quarterback. It's guys who cover receivers. And uh, again, uh, we, we, you know, we see it again. Uh, the 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 most expensive leading rusher in a Super Bowl in the last fourteen Super Bowls was Percy Harvin, who wasn't even a running back. Wow, interesting. Yeah, I mean, it, it adds up. I mean, and I'm sure there's a lot of pricey quarterbacks. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt about it. And, and uh, it's all about the quarterback in the NFL, as we saw with the 38 mm-hmm. 35 final. All right. Let's wrap up our thoughts from Super Bowl 57 as we spiral into the 2023 offseason, starting on tomorrow's podcast. By the way, it's going to be Matt Williamson's first mock draft of the yeah, about that tomorrow as well. Uh, more to come here, Peacock and Williamson. But I got to let you guys know about FanDuel because, you know what, the NFL season's over, but you can still find a number of ways to get your sports betting fix. And it starts with the NBA. We're in the midway point now, post-trade deadline in the NBA season. So now the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook and official sportsbook partner of the NBA and the NFL and the Locked On Podcast Network. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. I love how easy the website is to, to utilize, whether it's on the app or uh, at FanDuel.com. And you could be like one of uh, one of the FanDuel users for the Super Bowl that put up $4,000, won $82,000, I think, thousand dollars on a, on a same-game parlay that they built when it was anytime touchdown for Travis Kelsey, anytime touchdown for... Jalen Hurts, those two are a little easier, but then the third on his parlay was an anytime touchdown for Kadarius Toney. And when that hit, he won $84,000 on his on his bet, on his parlay. So uh, have so much fun with those parlays. And don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Okay, Matt, here we go. Um, we talked a lot about the offensive side of the ball. We talked a lot about the field conditions here. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to focus a little bit on the defensive side of the ball and especially special teams, which I think was a clear yep. victory for the team that won this football game in the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, and I think I, I think mentioned it Friday. Missed- what was a missed field goal? Sorry to interrupt. They had a missed no, field no. goal. I think they still clearly won that game. And and man, yeah. I wonder how nervous Butker was to line up the game winner after missing a field goal earlier in the game. Yeah, I thought about that too. Like this isn't a sure bet. He has not had a good year. I mean, with that much pressure on you and that many eyes on you, and you know the he he hit the upright. I mean, if it's two feet to the right, it's a it's in. If it's you know, mm-hmm. but um, uh, several people and thanks for this on Twitter called me out and said. Hey, Williamson, thanks for telling us that these t- two teams are like the bottom of the league in special teams. I didn't realize that. You'd think everything's great with all these teams because they're so good everywhere else. And it was a big deal. And the it leads me to another conversation. Like, yes, the Chiefs got hurt by a missed field goal. And I think you could even question Andy Reid, too, of should I went for it there? Because the Eagles coaching staff's going for it time and time again. 
Casey played it a little close to the vest and a not a not a gimme chip shot field goal either in a game you knew there was gonna be a lot of points. But Tony might be the most dangerous player in the league with the ball in his hands in space. I mean, he is a rare type of ball carrier weapon. He's frustrating as could be, but that that being yeah. said, at his best is wow. And the the punt coverage was really bad. I mean, the side of the field when he changed direction. There wasn't an eagle to be had. I mean, all their lane discipline had totally caved in the opposite direction. And we could definitely talk special teams, but it leads me to another conversation, too, of and this is kind of how you opened the show. Was this a great was this, you know, a great Super Bowl or was it bad defense? Often in evenly matched games, big games, it's the team that hurts themselves the most that lose. You know, there's a lot of old time coaches that'll tell you more games are lost than won. And the Eagles should kick themselves a little bit for a handful of plays. I mean, some pre-snap penalties. You can't have that. That huge return was probably the biggest play in the game. I know everyone wants to call Bradbury's penalty the biggest play in the game. I think the punt return was the biggest play in the game. I, I would say those are, are are two and three, and the biggest and, play in the game I'm missing was the, the easy one. Hurts. The fumble. Yeah the, yeah, the fumble return for a touchdown, which if any one of those, especially the return or the – well, maybe not the return because who knows if the you know the, the way the, the time, Chiefs yeah. were going, they were just rolling right. down the field every time anyway. But uh, and to, to be honest, I might have even given them more time to get back and, and get the ball at a certain point. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, the the fumble return for a touchdown was the biggest play in the yeah. game. And you're right when teams are firing like that on the offensive side of the ball on both sides, it's the the team that that shoots themselves in the foot, which was clearly the Eagles. With yeah. Those. I mean, there was, it's a small thing, but you remember, you know, the Eagles had Sirianni's losing his mind because they didn't get a play in. So they take a five, you know, five, you know, they delay a game, you know, just a couple procedural things that hurts you. That's it's such a fine line in games like this, that the Eagles didn't play badly. They don't have anything to be ashamed of and talked about hurts. I thought he was the best player in the field, but he had the worst play of the game too. I mean, that was a, that was on him. I mean, yeah. but you you have almost thirty six minutes of time of possession, but you had double the penalties. You know, you had the only turnover. Uh, the other team scores on defense slash special teams almost scores there. It, it, you know, you, they hurt themselves as much as the Chiefs took it, and you know, Mahomes and Reed are going to take any error you make and stab you in the heart with it. Even with Mahomes and Reed, and how tired that Kansas City defense had to have been with the yeah. skewed time of the possession, it's just so rare when you're over two to one time of possession against the other team. The first yeah, half right. was twenty-two minutes to eight. I mean, that's unheard of. I mean, that is pure domination of carrying uh, of owning the football. And I, I don't know how there was enough gas for that defense of the Kansas City Chiefs at the end of the game. And, and really, there wasn't a lot of gas for either one of these defenses. Um, most of the game, but it's really rare to see a team lose when they're when they're owning the football, possessing the football that much. Absolutely. I mean, should they have? I, I think there's some some blame to be given to the Eagles for the self inflicted wounds. And hey, you had them against the ropes, and you couldn't knock them out. You know, I mean, again, mm-hmm. this is a true heavyweight fight. These are the two yes. of the best boxers in the world. You know, I mean, this is and another kind of nugget from the box score that I found interesting was. Obviously, the Eagles ran more plays than the Chiefs. I mean, it was 72 to 53, but they had 20 snaps on third or fourth down. That's not a winning formula. I mean, they weren't consistently moving the ball on early downs where the Chiefs only had eight snaps on third or fourth down. You know, they were 
ahead of the chains, getting first downs on first and second downs. And they've been the best in the league at that from the beginning of the season. 20 snaps on third and fourth down is a tough way to live. And it was amazing how good they were on third and fourth. And down. they were good. Yeah. Right. And, and, and absurdly good in these playoffs with those fourth down plays. It never came back to bite them mm -hmm. really, which is kind of living on the edge a little bit because I get being aggressive and that's okay. But you, if you need to be that aggressive and go for that many fourth downs, it's usually not a great sign. No, absolutely true. I, I just wrote an article for concerning the Steelers because the Steelers were actually great on third downs this year. Nobody would think that, but it's an unsustainable way to live. I mean, you lead the league if you're 50% on third downs. So if you're snapping the ball 20 times on third and fourth downs, you're probably not going to be successful the percentage you need to to sustain it. They were in this game, but it, it it's, was a little bit of a of flaw. It was their early down work by, by the Eagles, which they were a little better there. Maybe Kansas City isn't able to come back in the second half. I have one more note here, and I want to talk about Travis Kelsey and where yeah. he's at historically – in the playoffs, because we know how far ahead Jerry Rice is in a lot of statistical categories that he'll mm -hmm. probably never get caught as a pure wide receiver. And his sim similarly in, in playoff statistics, uh, Jerry Rice is way ahead. They're crazy. Yeah. Right. Yards, receptions, touchdowns. But Travis Kelsey's going to run him down. And look, at this day and age, there's more playoff games. So that helps someone like Travis Kelsey. Mm -hmm. But Jerry Rice, um, all time leader in postseason touchdowns with 22 he's played 29 games in the postseason jerry rice did in his career 22 touchdowns 2245 yards and 151 receptions that's number one all time in all three of those categories travis kelsey though is number two in all three of those categories in only 18 games played in the postseason and he's got 133 receptions jerry rice has 151 travis kelsey might pass him in receptions next offseason if, wow. if yeah. the way the Kansas City Chiefs are going to go into the AFC Championship game every year, that's two or three more games. Yeah, I mean, they basically play two or three games in the postseason, even after getting a bye every year, which is remarkable. And it's funny you brought the went down that road, because before the game, I tweeted this out. You know, he's played 13 playoff games with Mahomes. I mean, he had a couple before that with Alex Smith. But in those 13 games, he had 104 catches, 1,173 yards, and 14 touchdowns. So... It, yesterday was basically that same pace. So in playoff games with Mahomes, Kelsey averages just under 100 yards a game, has more touchdowns than games played. I mean, like, that's unbelievable. It's crazy. Yeah, he's got 16, 16 touchdowns in 18 games. So he yeah. could pass Jerry Rice next year in probably not touchdowns. He's still he's still six behind in, in touchdowns, but mm -hmm. not unheard of. But he'll probably pass them up in receptions if they go to the playoffs again next season. And he's got, you know, another 700 yards to go uh, in receiving yards as well. But nobody should be shocked if Travis Kelsey's the all-time postseason leader in receptions for sure and potentially even touchdowns in receiving yards by the end of his career. Some, some stats that nobody ever thought Jerry Rice could be caught in. The regular season stats probably too far out there, but some of the postseason stats, Jerry might get run down. Yeah, and he just passed Gronk. You know, my son said, asked me, he's yes. like, does Kelsey have a better career than Gronk? And I said, no, but one more year like this, maybe. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I think it's really close. And maybe yeah. we'll talk about it later in the week. But, I mean, the legacy of Kelsey, Reed, Mahomes, I mean, really solidified itself with this one. 
Absolutely. And of course, as we do when teams are eliminated and even the Kansas City Chiefs who were never eliminated, we'll talk about what these teams have to do to get back mm-hmm. here and win a, a Lombardi after the 2023 season as well. That's coming up They're later. Really in the different week. spots. I mean, yes. It, oh, absolutely. Be interesting. Yeah. And mailbag episode on Wednesday. So get your questions in for our Wednesday mailbag episode this week. It's off season time in full, whether it's Super Bowl questions, these two teams, Chiefs and Eagles, or whatever team in the NFL, hit us at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL on Twitter and Matt Williamson's mock draft 1.0 coming up tomorrow on Tuesday's episode. Thanks everybody for making us your first listen. Back tomorrow, Peacock and Williamson. <laughs>